one of the topics that you guys had mentioned um, when I was looking through um, the different themes, I think last time you guys had mentioned fear, and that's something that we covered in the past um, month, I believe, right? And one of the other ones that I was looking through, I think there was one on faith and belief, and I think we touched on that a little bit, and then there was also one on revelation. And I was like, boy, let's tackle revelation. Um, as crazy as that is, we're going to do that. We're going to attempt to do that in just two sessions because, and I'll explain why that is towards the end of this. I'll give you guys the full synopsis and the full reason why. Amen. So, w- yes, ma'am. What was the theme for option two going to be? The theme for option two was going to be a discussion on joy, rejoicing in joy. All right. <laughs> so you want option one more? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll still get to option two. Uh, that, that one someday because that one's very, very key. So with that, if you guys have your Bible, if you have a Bible, um, would you jump on over with me to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 15. You might be asking, why are we going all the way to chapter 20? Isn't there like 22 verses? Yes, Revelation. Not Revelations, Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 15. If you're there, say amen. If you need more time, say hold up. Amen, 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 amen. Now, I will read it for the sake of time. Just time is running. So just be with me. All right, guys, I'm going to read a bunch of these. I'm going to quiz you when all is said and done. There's a lot here. So stay with me, okay? So I'm going to go to verses 1 to 15, and then I'll give you verse chapter 21, okay? So Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 to 15. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might not, de- he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I, and, I, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads and their, or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown away into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they, and, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I'll repeat that part. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Beloved, as always, we look over to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. oh neighbor, do you have a question? 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 Do
Do you know there's judgment day? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, 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 friends, family. I gotta pull this open here. How many of you guys have heard of this wonderful book? Yes, EJ, you heard of the book? Is that EJ in the back? Oh, no, sorry. I thought, I thought that was it. You, you put your hand up. How many of you guys have heard of this book, the book of Revelation? Yeah, somebody shout out. What, what is this book? So all the stuff that are going to happen leading up to Judgment Day. Okay, okay. The end times. Okay, okay. How many of you guys have read the book before? Show of hands. The whole book. Yes. Yes, the whole book of Revelation. All right, all right. Cool, cool. How many of you guys were like, man, I'm a little kind of scared of reading this book. Okay, okay. Why are you guys scared of reading the book? Huh? Why are you scared? <laughs> Uh, why are you scared, Francine? Scared? Uh, yeah. Uh, my, my question is, is anybody scared of reading the book? And no, so, I'm not scared because I was actually Okay, good, good, good. So you've been through it already. I'm a, why, why, why are you scared of reading it? I'm scared, but I can see why people are scared. Because a lot of things in the book of Revelation, like you have to come to church. Mm. Like, okay, 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 okay. That's a good thought. That's a good thought. Hold that thought for a moment. Anybody else? All right, all right, all right. So what I'm gonna do, guys, what the, we, I think somebody said study of like end times and all that stuff, right? There's a fancy word for that. Does anybody know what that fancy word is? It's fa fancy of a study of, of like end times and what's gonna happen then. Hmm? Endiology. Endiology. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's let's all let's. You guys can use the lifeline, okay? You can ask Bishop. You can ask Bishop. You can ask. Yes, yes. It starts with an E. Eschatology. Write this down. We are going to school today, guys. We are in class today. We are in seminary today, okay? Eschatology. That is the word, all right? And that is the study of the end times. Now, we're not going to spend a bunch of time on Revelation. And when I finish this, I'll explain to you exactly why that is. Um, but what I do want to do, for those of you guys who have never read it, I do want to give you the outline, all right? So that you take some time when you do go back later on and read it and then I'll kind of help you with kind of what viewpoints and what ideas to be thinking as you're going about the book of Revelation, okay? Um, like I always say, whenever we read something, we read to understand. We need to figure out what perspective somebody was coming from. What were they saying? And Revelation can be one of the most complicated ones to get a grasp on, okay? So this is kind of how the book is broken up, all right? Chapters 2 to 3, they're just talking about the letters to the seven churches. So there's these seven churches that come, right? The church of Ephesus, Laodicea, etc., etc. We've talked about that before. We've gone through the series of the seven churches several years ago. Check the podcast. That should be in there. God has a wonderful message for each and every single church um, there. So we spent a lot of time already in the past on chapters two and three. And then after that, so at that moment in time, you know, God's talking to the people then. And then chapter four talks about the description of heaven and the throne room. Before I go back, who wrote the book of Revelation? John, yes, yes, yes. The one whom Jesus loved, right? So he wrote the book of Revelation. He was caught up in the air, right? And then he had this revelation and then all of this stuff were given to him. So he was given the, the, these letters that he was supposed to then go out and give to the churches. So he wrote this while he was in exile in Patmos, okay, which is like this island that they just pretty much take these um, prisoners, right? You, they will take you there, and then that's where he was at that time when he had this revelation, all right? So setting the scene here for you guys. So we've already talked about the chapters two and three. That's what happens. And then chapter four, there's a description of heaven in the throne room. Awesome, awesome scene. I think it's a, it's a powerful place of wonderful imagery, whatever you get a chance to be thinking about during your prayer time when you go into chapter four of what is going on whilst you are praying, right? There's throne room, there's 24 elders, wonderful, wonderful scene that you get there. And I think it really helps to visualize things when you're in your prayer time. So then we see what's going on in heaven. And then we come on down and we say, okay, then there's chapters five to eight is gonna talk about seven scrolls. Then we have seven trumpets in chapters eight and nine. Chapter 10, there's this angel who stands on land and the, and the sea. Um, 
and the little scroll, then the little scroll is given to, 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 to John, right? And then John sees the scroll. Chapters 11, there's two witnesses that are given a lot of power by God to preach the gospel and prophesy for 1260 days, 1260 days. No one can touch them except for the devil who is going to be allowed to kill them after the 1260 days. Yes. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, there's an angel who stands on the land and sea, and, the, and, and, and there's the little scroll. So the little scroll is then given to John by that angel. So in chapter 11, no one can touch them, right, except for the devil, who's going to be allowed to kill them. So those are the two witnesses that come. Okay? So Satan kills them, and the world rejoices, but then they are brought back to life after three and a half days. And then they go up to heaven. All right? Just, just, just roll with me here. All right? And then the seventh trumpet is blown. Chapter 12. There's a woman out of nowhere, this woman who births a child. All right. The child is caught up to, to heaven, to God's throne. And the woman is taken to the wilderness for hiding. And then the, there's a great battle in heaven between God's angels and the dragon. The dragon is synonymous to Satan and his angels. The dragon is defeated and cast to earth. And then he says, woe are those on earth as the dragon goes on to make, children, to make war with the children of God. All right, just roll with me. Chapter 13, the first beast came and was given authority by the dragon. All right, there's this beast that gets introduced. So now we have a beast, we have a dragon, we have a woman, we have a baby. All right, a lot of different characters going on here. Just roll with me. People worship the first beast, right? And then there's a second beast that also comes and that second beast also has a lot of power. The beast brings along the, 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 the mark of the beast. Oh, you, you guys have heard of that whole 666 thing? Yeah, that's... This part in chapter 13. The mark is needed for people to be able to buy or sell anything at that time. So it's a very difficult time. You want to make some money, you got to make sure you, you, you're selling something. This is like after you go to heaven and then like the seven years on the... That's what about? Not necessarily yet. Yes, yes, yes. The chapter 13, that, that, that includes okay. that part. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I want to be careful on the timeline is it's all going to come back to that. So chapter 14... Then there are three angels that come to warn people on earth that they should not follow the beast or get the mark. Chapter 15, the angels and the saints rejoice and they praise God with a harp. Seven angels are given seven golden bowls which hold the seven plagues which are going to serve as the final wrath of God. And then chapter 16, we see all of the, the angels are then instructed to pour the bowls um, of God, uh, of God's wrath on the earth, right? So this is like tribulation time going on. Um, and I won't get into pretty much like all the different plagues that happened just for the sake of time, but they were pretty crazy. Um, harmful sores, all that stuff, plagues, etc. And then towards the end of chapter 16, the enemy lines up for battle against God at Armageddon, right? Yeah, I've heard that, heard that big word, Armageddon, or Armageddon, whichever. But then we go into chapter 17, and there's, there's this, then, then introduces a great prostitute, right? So now we have a prostitute, we got a beast, we have a whole bunch of stuff, right? The great prostitute and the beast, there are kings who are gonna attempt to make war on Jesus, but they will not succeed because Christ is the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords, amen? The beast and the kings are gonna make war on the prostitute. So the beast and the king, they turn against the prostitute and they destroy her. Chapter 18. Babylon is defeated and all the people who profited from her evil are going to mourn. Chapter 19. In chapter 19, there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. So Jesus invites his bride to supper. Finally, in this chapter, we see Jesus himself come out of heaven to judge and make war. Okay? This coming is very different from this first coming. Um, Jesus destroys the beast and the false prophet by throwing them in the lake of fire. Chapter 20. An angel seizes the dragon, so the angel gets hold of the dragon, and he puts him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. The faithful ones who did not submit to the mark of the beast, um, or the ones who were beheaded, um, are, are, the, are the ones who are going to be reigning with Christ for a thousand years. Okay? Satan will be realized, sorry, Satan will, become, will come back, you know, after the thousand years, and he's going to be given power to do harm, but he will not succeed. Instead, Satan is going to be tossed eventually, ultimately, into the lake of fire to be tormented forever and ever. After this comes Judgment Day. So what we were, we were just reading chapter 20, okay? 
before the great white throne, um, those whose names are not found to be written in the book of life are thrown into the lake of fire. Ultimately, in the lake of fire lies the beast, the dragon, the false prophet, death, and Hades, along with those whose names were not found in the book of life. Chapter 21, the new Jerusalem is the new Jerusalem. And what heaven will be like is described in detail within that chapter. Okay? And then chapter 22 is the conclusion. We see the river of life again, and we are reminded that Jesus is coming soon. And he will pay each person for what they are owed. He will repay each person based on their works. Amen? And chapter 22 beautifully hits its way all the way back to Genesis. It's awesome. Read it. I recommend it. So everybody knows what happens in Revelation now? All right. Who... who Fully understands everything. Who's confused? Who's like, what did I just hear, listen, read? Yeah, oh, it's, for, it's fine. Put your hands up. Oh, a little fast. Uh, don't worry. You guys can play back the recording later on. <laughs> so, I say all that um, to give you guys a structural overview of the book of Revelation, right? And now I'm going to kind of give you some tools. Some, here's another big word for you guys. It starts with an H. Sorry, it ends with an S. Uh, or I guess with a C. It's called hermeneutics. Okay? Everybody say hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Okay. So hermeneutics is pretty much the viewpoint with which you read and understand the scriptures. Okay? So, like I always say, it's important to have kind of the background, what's going on, and, and understanding those things to what you're reading. And there are three main views when we're talking about Revelation. Okay? And make sure you guys jot these down. There are three main views. And I'll tell you which one that you, you guys most likely hold to based on the responses that you gave me about this is a view of end times. Okay? The first view of, Revel of Revelation is a historicism or preterism, preterism view. Now, what does that mean? This basically means that everything that we just read, right, before chapter 20, right, how I said there's the, the birth, the lady, all that stuff, all that stuff, some people believe has already happened, okay? The, the, the historicism, preterism view holds that all those things have already happened. And they say that in 70 AD, anybody know what happened in 70 AD? Who knows what happened in AD 70? Something big happened in Jerusalem in AD 70. What happened? What happened, guys? Come on. You guys want to ask Bishop? Everybody ask Bishop. Bishop, what happened in 70 AD? Hmm? <laughs> you googled it Bishop we're asking what happened in 70 AD in Jerusalem <laughs> who understands AD that's a good question who understands AD who, what does AD stand for hey, what's it say what's it say you see you people are not paying attention AD is not after death Aha, you remember now, AD is Anno Domino, all right? AD is Anno Domino. It is a Latin word for in the year of our Lord, okay? So zero is the year, so it starts, our, our clock starts when Jesus Christ is born. Our, our modern day clock, yes. So when we say 2023, we're really 2023 AD, which is 2023 in the year of our Lord. Which is crazy. The whole world follows our clock. <laughs> our timeline based on the Savior, but they don't even know it, right? So whenever you say B.C., B.C. is before Christ, okay? A.D. is Anno Domino. But a lot of people sometimes say after death. But then, then that means that what was the time period when Jesus was alive? Jesus died in 33 A.D., right? So he was still alive in between that time period. So... AD just simply means in the year, Anno Domino, in the year of our Lord, okay? So, which one? Does that, somebody have a question? Anno Domino? I think it's A-N-N-O Domino, D-O-M-I-N-O. Yeah, Anno Domino. Yes, sir. Hmm? 
It means in the year of our Lord. Yeah, it's a Latin word for in the year of our Lord. So when you look at the timeline, right? Everything like Matthew onward, all that stuff is AD. So the birth of Christ, that's zero AD, all right? So at zero AD, when Christ was a year old, when we were in one AD. When he was 33 years old, we were in 33 AD. When he was crucified in 33 AD, that's 33 AD. So right now we are, you know, 1,990 years after the death and burial of Christ and the resurrection. All right? Everybody cool? Everybody enjoying this? Now, now the bishop understands AD. Now let's ask him the question. What was the question that I even asked? Yes, what happened in 70 AD, Mr. Bishop? Yes, yes, yes. It was the destruction of the temple. So in Jerusalem, there, there's this temple that was destroyed. And um, in Revelation, a lot of people then believe that a lot of the things that were being said is going to happen has already happened. And their belief and their viewpoint when they're reading the scriptures is that it's very symbolic, okay? Is that things like the thousand years, they don't really believe it's a thousand years per se. They're just saying that it's something that's gonna take some time. So when you have the viewpoint of this takes, this is just symbolic, it's gonna take a thousand, it's not really gonna take a thousand years. Then you can have the viewpoint of preterism or preterism um, which is sometimes, you ever hear the term called post-millennial? The post-millennium. They don't truly believe that there's a full thousand years happening, okay? And then you have another viewpoint called amillennialism. A millennialism. A millennialism. Yay, I knew. A millennialism. Yes, a millennialism. Now, a millennium pretty much means what? They're pretty much saying, you know, A is opposed right when you put a in front of a word so they're pretty much saying hey there's no millennium um we have an idealistic view meaning that you know nothing bad is really going to happen we're all just going to be sitting around and then one day jesus is going to come up all right now the post-millennium view says that there is no rapture all right the post-millennium view says there is no rapture and then on top of that what they're basically saying is one second They're saying that we have a church age, right? That happened. The millennium, which can be a period of time. It doesn't necessarily mean a thousand years. And then they have resurrection. So then they have what we read about in chapter 20, right? So then they have that there's resurrection of believers. There's judgment day, okay? The amillennium people, their viewpoint has the church age, right? What we're living in Revelation 20, they're saying that, that stuff is happening now. And then judgment is going to happen. And then after judgment, there's going to be your eternal state. So where are you going to spend the rest of your existence? Yes. Yes. Amillennialism. Amillennialism. They, no, they believe that um, Christ is going to come still. They, they believe that there's not going to be a thousand year period. The post-millennium will say, okay, there's a period that's going to happen, but it's not necessarily going to be a thousand years. That's just symbolic. So when you, you guys are all in like English class, right? We have people that, what does it mean to take something literally and to take something symbolically? Yeah, metaphorically, right? So they, they, the, the folks who are post-millennium will say, okay, a lot of the things that are being said are metaphorical or because when you look at the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation consists of a lot of um, visions, right? And prophecy. And prophecy and vision is, is up to interpretation. So I'm telling you the different lenses that maybe sometimes when you go out into the world, you may come across somebody who has a different view. Know that it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is wrong. It just means that that person's viewpoint is different. Okay? And then there is the viewpoint that a lot of people hold um, which is the premillennialism viewpoint. And that viewpoint pretty much says that everything that we read after chapter three, you know, chapter three was talking about the letters to the churches. Everything that we read after that is something that's gonna happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. So the premillennialism view holds that there is 
um, that there is rapture, okay? So what's gonna happen is, sometime in the future, it's called pre-tribulation, pre-millennialism. You're gonna have a church age, that's already happened, right? We're living in that church age right now, and then what's gonna happen is that there's gonna be a rapture, so you're just gonna be sitting there someday, you know, God calls you up, right, and you're gone. And then there's tribulation. So that tribulation, there's a seven year period of, you know, where we were reading through all those pains and sores and all that stuff that happened. And that's gonna happen. Then after that, Christ is gonna come back. And then those who made it through that tribulation, those who died during that point, they're gonna be raised up, right, from the dead and meet Christ up in the air like we see in Thessalonians. And then there's gonna, and then they're gonna reign with Christ for a thousand years. So for the, for the premillennialists, there is an actual thousand year period of time that's going to happen where Christ is going to reign with us on earth. Okay? And then after that thousand year period, yes, I'm a, hmm? Is there like a right or wrong one or do not? There is not a right or wrong one. There is not a right or wrong one. There, you can make a case, yes. Mm-hmm. So like, as our denomination, which one do you read Bishop? Where does the Presbyterian fall in terms of um, premillennialism, postmillennialism, and amillennialism? I believe it's pre, from what I've experienced. I think the average, the, <laughs> the average person that I've had conversations with, at least that I know about, we all speak about rapture, right? And I think the church of, the, the Presbyterian church speaks about rapture as well. So in that case, then we would be in the pre-millennialist viewpoint. I myself, oh, great question. I myself, I'm in the pre-millennialism point. Because, oh, what, what does he believe? Oh, we can ask him when he has some time. But um, the church is in that premillennialism viewpoint. Now, what I'm trying to say, guys, is that you can have any of these, okay? It depends on how you're viewing, you're reading the scriptures. There is support for every type of viewpoint here. You can either think what's being said is literal, or you can think what's being said is symbolic, Okay? Now let's get to the main point. Yeah? Which one? Which one? What was the second point? Oh, no, no, we passed what happened in 70 AD. So in 70 AD was the the destruction of the temple, yes. And now, fun fact, there's actually a temple that, there's a committee trying to bring back a temple, all right? Like today? Yes, today, yes. So that, but in order for all of this destruction stuff to occur and the Antichrist and all that stuff that the premillennialist view, there has to be a new temple that is gonna be built, right? Or there has to be some people that are attempting to build another temple in Jerusalem, okay? Anybody knows where Jerusalem is? Okay, okay. Good, good, good. So there are different views. The main point here, guys, there are different views, but one thing is clear among them that there is a day of judgment and that that judgment, that day of judgment is not symbolic. There is a future state of judgment. So there's a day where God is gonna judge each and every single person for what they've done. Are you gonna open up the book and say, hey, is your name in this book? And if you're not, if if your name is not in that book, then you'll be tossed aside in the lake of fire. So it is real, right? So it doesn't matter what position you hold, premillennialist, postmillennialist, amillennialist, all that stuff, it doesn't matter which position you hold, they all hold true that that part is clear. Yes? The uh, preterism? The preterism aligns with postmillennialism. Mm-hmm. And then futurist aligns with premillennialism. So futurist meaning we think that all those events between chapters three and chapter 20 is gonna, things that are gonna happen in the future, okay? So I wouldn't, if I were to, I always gotta do my research, right? And I bring on, I present that stuff to you. I don't wanna impose my own personal view, which is why I give you all, these are the three different ways that most people um, lean towards. I think most folks are either post-millennialists or pre-millennialists, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. what is very, very important is knowing that all three of those 
are very, very clear that they and agree that Jesus is coming back, right? And that there is a day of judgment. So I rushed through all of that stuff in Revelation for a reason. And the reason for that is that I don't want you guys to focus so much on the events to come or the events that have come. Okay? We must always be ready, right, for whenever our, our, our Lord and Savior returns, which all these different groups agree that he will. And the reason why this kind of touched my heart to share on this day was because there's a lot going on right now. And I think sometimes we can be in a little bit of a bubble, but we don't talk about like world events. And I don't know if any of you guys have seen the news, but there's a lot going on in Israel right now. Um, and I'll give you guys a little bit of history. Does anybody know the history of Israel? This, hmm? No, not that one. The history of the Israel, Palestine. Everybody heard of Palestine before? Anybody heard of Israel? Okay. Anybody knows about what's going on? How long that's been going on? The history of it a little bit? Yeah? Yeah, go ahead. What did they say happened 700 years ago? Yeah, yeah, so, so there, there's a ton of history there. But Israel as a state, as a nation, has been a nation since 1948, okay? It's been a nation since 1948. There's a whole fight between those in Israel, those in Palestine. Now, just because you live in Israel, just because you live in Palestine, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a Christian, right? Or it doesn't necessarily mean that you are a Jew. There are Jews who live in Palestine. There's some Jews who live in Israel, okay? To kind of give a little bit of background, the kingdom, we used to have just one Israel, okay? It's changed up so much. That space of land, there was the kingdom of Judah. You guys remember that? And there was the kingdom of Israel. It used to just be Israel. And then the folks were like, oh, you know, we want our own ruler, we want our own king. So God said, okay, I'll give you guys a king. Then he gave them Saul, right? And then Saul died. And who took over after Saul? Who replaced Saul? Yes, David. Which one? Is that Paul? <laughs> yes, yes, King David took over after, after, da after Saul. And then who took over after King David? Solomon. Hey. King Joseph, what did you king? Hey, so then Solomon took after King David, okay? And then after Solomon, the kingdom was what? Divided, because people were just not getting along, long story short. So you have folks where we created a kingdom in Israel, and then we created a kingdom in Judah. That part of Judah, long-term, later on, hundreds of years later, the British came along, they renamed that place Palestine, okay? Now it had been conquered several times, right? Now when you read the scriptures, especially in Deuteronomy, Exodus, all those things, there's one common theme that keeps happening, which I want us to take for our lives today, is the grace and the mercy of God, okay? What keeps happening? These Israelites that God has called, right? It says, you are my people, right? They keep on sinning, they keep on messing up. And then what is what then what happens? Then another a neighboring country comes and takes over, right? And then eventually they go, they pray to God, God forgives them, and God gives them the power to then be able to clear those and drive those people out. Right? And this kept happening over and over and over again. Kind of like our own lives, right? Where we keep on messing up and then going to God and God giving us, granting us mercy. And the psalmist says in, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 71, he says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. That's in the KJV version. And so a lot goes on here, coming back to the kingdom of Israel um, versus Judah. So in modern day now, there's a lot of fighting just going on between them. Because where Jerusalem sits, in the city of Jerusalem, there is... Everybody claims Jerusalem now, okay? It's a really hot place because 
people are saying, um, you know, that's where we, that's where Jesus, you know, born, all that stuff. And then in that same place, it's also very special to the Muslims. It's also very special to the Jews, okay, because all the different events that happened there. But I don't want you guys to just think that this is just a religious thing that's going on. There's a lot of fighting just about land in general as well. But what I want you guys to take out of this, as far as the current event that's going on, is just to pray for these people, all right? Pray for them because, not just because of the fact that they're Christians or Jews or whoever, but pray for them for the mere fact that war is terrible, right? And it doesn't lead to anything good. And we must not be ignorant of it, right? Like we've never had to see that in our lifetimes. Like pray, we never have to see that in your lifetime, but people are really going through it. And if you're somebody who is a pre-millennialist, you might see the events going on as, oh, is this a sign of the end times? Is something going? Don't focus on that. Focus more so on that there are real evils, real wars going on, and each and every single person on both sides, whether Palestine or Israel, is in deep and desperate need for Christ. Just as much as we are. The events that are going on now don't necessarily mean the end is here, right? They might, they might symbolize what is to come. Because trust me, there was a year back in 2000, there was this thing called, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this time period, but when the year was going to go from 1999 to 2000, there was something called Y2K compliance, okay? And Y2K compliance basically meant that our clock wasn't gonna be able to make it to flip to 2000. So everybody was freaking out that when the world goes to, when the clock hits 2000, the world was gonna end. And answer me, boy, Y2K compliance. Yes, they thought the world was gonna end and year 2000 because there was not enough time on the clock, right? So people were out here thinking, okay, that's it. That's the millennium. And then at that, see what I mean? When people focus so much on these things that are gonna happen, I don't want you guys to turn into conspiracy theorists, okay? Rather, let us focus on the things that we definitely know about and the things that we are certain about. Somebody may think that what we're seeing in Revelation is symbolic. Somebody may think that it's literal, that it's a literal thousand years. That doesn't matter. What matters most from there is that there is judgment and that's coming. And so how are we living our life today? How are those around us living their life today? And how are we keeping in mind and praying for those who are around us? Amen? So somebody says, make, make the most of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Make the most of your time, talent, and treasure. That is the main point. Instead of focusing on trying to figure out what's the next end time signal as a pre-millennialist or a post-millennialist just saying that um, the world is just gonna get better and better because we're living in the, in the millennium right now. That's, that's their viewpoint. So all we need to do is just keep spreading the gospel. Um, or the amillennialist saying that, hey, I'm just an idealist, there's no millennium period, I'm just gonna live my life until God comes. Make the most of the time that you have. Yes? Time, talent, oh, time, talent, and treasure. Yes, make the most of your time, talent, and treasure. God has gifted you with the time that you have. Because you never know. We may not see the rapture in our lifetime. What we're talking about here may not happen for another 5,000, 6,000, a million years. Only God knows when the end time truly, truly is, right? And when I say end time, I mean that the judgment day. Whether you think all those events have happened in the past, doesn't matter. Make the most of the time that you have now. Because one thing is certain is judgment. We're going to face that. And what we, what we read within Revelation, guys, is a scary thing in chapter 20. But we went there on purpose. Because many people are going to be there. But we don't want that, right? So we then need to do what we can on our part by having conversations with friends, with family. Well, first checking ourselves, how, how are we living our lives, right? Are we living our lives for the Lord? Or are we still trying to figure out if we believe in him or not? 
And if we know that there is this day of judgment coming where there's going to be a book opened, what are you doing when God places on your heart to share his good news with somebody? That news that does save, that news that does change lives. This momentary life here is just so temporary, right? Like hitting how old I am now. I'm just like the other day, I remember I was like five years old. Now I'm 30 running around, right? So imagine the next time I blink, blink of an eye, I'll probably be, I'll be as old as Bishop, right? And then, that's not, those, aren't, those aren't any shots to be fired. Respect your elders, you people. And then, and, and then after that, I'll be as old as my, as my grandmother, you know? Those type of things. It happens. But one thing that's going to be eternal is where we're going to spend forever, right? So make that your aim, make that your goal, make the most of your time there. That how you live your life today. And how do you share the gospel with other people? Amen? Amen. Hmm? Is that? We're almost done. Yeah. I think we're almost there. See? These days, oh, I've been talking for a minute too. And then today, the church is not ending anytime soon, huh? Oh, they called us now? Oh, oh yes, yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. So guys, we are there. Um, when it comes to Israel, and I won't go into this part so that time doesn't go too long, but take your time to read through Romans chapter 11, verses 11 to 33, okay? Romans chapter 11, verses 11 to 33. Now, we are recognized and known as the Gentiles, right? We who did not know about the Lord have come to know about him. And why were we able to know about him? Because of the, the Bible tells us because of the disobedience of the Jews, right? His chosen people at that time. And the Bible makes it very clear that God has not forgotten about Israel. There's a partial hardening that has come upon Israel where they're being disobedient. But when all is said and done, he's going to graft them back in. In Romans 11, Paul makes a really good alliteration where he pretty much says that you know the tree is Christ and the branches the natural branches that come out of a tree those were the Jews right they were the chosen people but they got cut off because of their disobedience and we as the Gentiles we were grafted in grafted Jerusalem just means you pulled it in okay we were pulled in but the Bible makes it very clear that God is so wonderful that despite their disobedience, one day there's going to be sort of like a revival, right? There's going to be sort of a, a revival that happens amongst the Israelites that he has called to be his people. And they're going to be grafted back in. And that's a wonderful thing, right? So be praying for them. Be praying for that. That's why I'm more in the premillennialist view because that just makes more sense and is very clear to me seeing it from that point. Um, be praying and praying and praying for all of those folks so last takeaway it's just now that we've kind of read through all of this keeping in mind and my question to you guys is say we jump from church age, tribulation we jump straight to that day of judgment where are you going? Do you know where you're going? Yes, do you? You're going to heaven, amen. Who else is going to heaven? A show of hands. Who, who, who is, who? Who isn't sure? Who isn't sure? You are sure? Okay. Why, why aren't you sure? <laughs> you want it? What does it look like to be more 
Yeah. You change your ways. You know, you're not into the worldly stuff no more. You know, you don't cuss. You don't uh-huh. that. But reading that Bible part, you lack it. Sometimes I keep in mind, O.C. Uh-huh. That's the 70-30. That's the 70-30. So 70, like, really on God's side, and 30% of the time, slip it up, you know. Yeah. If, I get to 30, if you can get to 70-30. Okay, okay. I'm glad I asked that question. Because let me, let me change that mindset completely. Okay? There's a difference between salvation and sanctification. That's you trying to go from 50, 50 to 70, 30 as a matter of sanctification. But once you are saved and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, right? That he's your personal Lord and Savior. And you truly believe that within your, within your heart. I'm not talking about just lip service, right? Where the Bible is in some places say, these people, they worship me but with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I'm not talking about that. There are people who genuinely adore and love Christ. But there's also some things that they've been dealing with for 20, 30 plus years before they even met Christ, right? And it's not a matter of right when they accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior that they stop all those things. Now say that person is doing that, right? And then the next day they're in some terrible accident and they die. What happens to that person who accepted Jesus maybe a week ago, but they still kind of live their life not in a fully transformed way. They go to heaven. Exactly. Why do they go to heaven? Exactly. And so have that grace, right, mindset, right? That grace mindset. Don't abuse grace. Don't abuse God's mercy. But have that mindset, all right? Always strive towards becoming more and more like Christ. But I don't want you ever being surprised or unsure about where you'll end up as somebody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. Despite the fact that you sin, despite that you mess up, God, Christ came and died for your sins, past, present, and future. All of it was paid for on the cross. Amen? So have that confidence. Any questions before we close? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mr. Bishop, Bishop has a point for us, please. Yes, yes. In the light of what is going on, I, I want to add something. So in, in the light of what is going on that um, Kevin mentioned, nah, can you read the last? Oh, the last one that she just posted? Oh, yeah. The whole thing? like The, the last one. Oh, the last, okay. The book of Revelation and its implications for Christian faith and practice, especially in the face of contemporary challenges. That's the, that's the last part of the talk. Is the word balance? Balance? Oh, the book of Revelation presents a well-balanced perspective focusing on the themes of God's justice and judgment, the call for repentance and the engagement with the socio-political structures of the Roman Empire. Here are some key points from the review. Thesis and emphasis. The call for John's community to stand firm in faith, resist the temptations of the Roman Empire, and remain loyal to the sovereignty of God, even at the cost of their lives. So Kevin says that some part of Israel was changed. The name was changed to what? Oh, that's about Yes. Keep reading. The imminent return of the Lord serves both as a reassurance and a warning to the community. The seven churches of Asia highlighting... So you mentioned that what is important for us is to be what? The question was asked, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. So in the midst of it all, what should be your focus? What happened? So you see that there's a struggle between people in the community. So John is calling us that in the face of it all, what should we do? Focus on God. Jump to the next round. Okay, so the apocalyptic visions. Okay. That one? Yeah. Apocalyptic visions. The extensive exploration of the visions in Revelation revolves around the theme of God's justice and judgment. Stressing the need for repentance and the imminent return of the Lord. The book's interpretation seeks to emphasize the symbolic, political, and theologic 
logical message rather than focusing solely on the violent imagery. Yes, so uh, as he was talking, he pointed to what is happening today. And I want you to note that in a community, there could be misunderstanding in fight, but your focus and attention should be what? Where are we going? So if that is the case, he is ended up by saying, let's pray for each other and let's be focused. Now, if you take to our community, this is what is happening. Brothers and sisters, sisters, we will still be fighting here and there. And it will be in our front door. Come together and be what? One. One. And have one focus. So, the good thing is that it is a powerful, powerful metaphor. What is happening in the community? That even brothers and sisters, that you can still stay in this world where there is war and still be a Christian. And no matter what, certain things will come along. But be focused. So thank you very much for taking this to me. And uh, Achita, when you were when you were teaching them, I was giving them all the things. <laughs> so if, 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 yeah, from one to twenty-two, you have all the snaps but the question that you raise whether it has happened or it's about to Now, if you go home and you start reading, it, it will do you good. Um, even up to today, if I see I understand everything, I'm lying. I'm lying. But there is somebody that the writer, the writer was who? John, and he added something. John V. He added something. Oh, the, oh I know what you yeah, said. He added oh, something. I know exactly what it was. He said, John, the, the love of God, something like that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so go home and read it and, and be acquainted yourself with the book of Revelation. And when you come, you have questions like everything here. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you so much, Bishop. Thank you. God bless you guys. God bless you all.